audience talk about the last exorcism. And welcome back to another episode of Ruminations of Red Rum, the horror podcast of the Ruminations Radio Network. Today, I am your host, Brendan, the New Blood. And with us, as always, he's spooky. He's scary. He's the crispy comer, the crispy creamer. Crispy comer. Creamer, dude. Crispy. He keeps messing creamer. it up, and it's, it's funny, though, because crispy comer just sounds more funny. He's Danny Phantom. He's the paranormal activity of the Ruminations Radio Network. It's Ian with two E's. How you doing, Ian? How's it going? It's been a whole week since we've seen each other. A whole I seven days. Never gets old. Are we going to do I was just going to say, are we doing this bit every week? Because I'm down for it. We just got to double down. It's funny. I was going to do it on the last cast we did. Um, which was seven days ago. Which was seven days ago. Um, but Seven whole days. Seven whole days. Um, but I totally forgot. It only like reoccurred to me just now as we're doing our second episode of the next seven days. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and also with us, it's the slick black Cadillac, the man that wears a snapback. He writes with a number two pencil and he's number one in all of our hearts. It's Kyle with a K. How you doing, Kyle? Good. I like how on the last episode we covered Little Nightmares, which is a video game. And Ian was like, all right, so we're going to do non-movie related recs for our video game episode. And then they all just did books and I'm the only one that did game. So I'm going to recommend a book this time. And uh, no, I'm kidding. I don't read. I'm illiterate. Um, so no, I'm doing pretty good. Um, uh, what else? Uh, I saw Chris Aaliyah, uh, the canceled oh. comedian. He was pretty funny. Um, he was very, very cool. Um, I enjoyed that quite a bit. And uh, what else did I watch? I feel like there well, we we watched The Flash, Ian. The yes, Flash. I want you guys to talk about that because you both gave it very, very bad, bad um, stars. It's like, um, man, I just had a really good example, but it's like way too offensive for me to say out loud. Um, it's like if you had a son that was super, super slow, but he really <laughs> wanted to run track. Oh, I thought you meant another kind of slow. I'm sorry. No, that was my first example, but I, 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 I figured. Um, and you kept going to his meets and he kept getting last place, but he really, really just wanted to do track for some reason. And uh, he really enjoyed it. He had a good time, but you were just sitting there like, damn, this is a waste of your potential. This is a waste of your life. Why are you doing this? And um, that's how the movie felt to me. Ian, never Maybe have kids. I'll go, with yeah. less, <laughs> I'll go with a little bit more. <laughs> a less, or a little bit more sensitive route. So to me, <laughs> to all that up, but to me, um, no, okay. So I'm a huge, huge DC guy, rocking the DC jersey right now. The movie just sucked, dude. Like the acting was terrible. They, I think they really like misled people with the advertising. Keaton was a big draw of this advertising, and I think they just really squandered his potential in that film. 
um, from an introduction standpoint to a lore involvement standpoint to a world building standpoint. I'm going to get nerdy really quick because I'm really into DC. I just, it was such a disappointment the direction they decided to take the story as well as the lack of importance for the characters. It seemed like such a, everybody's doing a multiverse, so we need to do our multiverse, but it was not on anybody's same, like on the same level as anybody else's multiverse. Sorry, I'm on my third cup of coffee now. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was just very disappointing and uh, I couldn't I couldn't recommend it to anybody. And that's coming from somebody who's pretty forgiving of the DC franchise as far as the films go. Um, I'm a huge fan of the Snyderverse. Not huge, but I'm I'm a pretty big fan. And uh yeah, it was it was bad. It was a horrible send-off, in my opinion, to and kind of like a slap in the face to Man of Steel, the actors that were involved <laughs> in that film. It, it they came on and just totally read their lines with no emotion, no effort. They phoned it in. I said that to Ian like while we were watching. I was like, it, it seemed like they phoned in all of these performances. They were there for a paycheck is what it seemed like. And then at the end, they try to give everybody some fan service shit, but it didn't feel genuine or heartfelt. It just felt like what what memes are online that we can throw into this last 10-minute scene? And it felt disgusting. And uh, for that alone, I, can, I, I, I can't give it any higher than a one. I mean, that's, that's a little bit of a personal rating, but also it kind of does reflect what I feel like that movie delivers. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like not, that's exactly what I said, but um, yeah, it, it was a disservice to pretty much every franchise that they tried to do in that little multiverse thing. Um, Kyle said it pretty well. They were just hopping on the multiverse wagon and flashpoint is, is such a, an insane um, story it's an amazing it's amazing chills like it's so sad too like him trying to save his parents like it the the emotional part of that storyline could have been executed so well which by the end of the movie they try to they try to pull on your emotional tug strings with certain scenes involving him and his mother but it's 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 so too late at that point that it's like you don't deserve my emotional response to this like you don't get that from me now you've ruined this moment but like you're not going to get that emotional investment from me even though you're trying like it's ugh, i just it was such a disappointment such a disappointment if they could have put the amount of resources uh that they did in Zack snyder's justice league or just the amount of resources that they put in the the snyder cut the last like 30 minutes where so many characters are introduced like the joker and deathstroke and martian manhunt like i don't know why they didn't go that route and they just did it, it kind of just felt like what what can we possibly do like what can we afford to pay for and the options were super low and they're just like well i mean we're, we're just going to be scraping the bottom of the barrel of what we can do with our our multiverse thing so I guess we'll just go with that and create a storyline around it. But I don't even think it was a budget thing either. Like Warner Brothers was like, hey, what what directors can we get that's on our bench? Because I'm pretty sure that it chapter one and two, those are Warner Brothers, aren't they? I could be wrong. Yeah. 
my, okay. So like, it's like, what, what directors on our bench can we get to direct these? And the it chapter one, I only saw the first one, but it was good. It was a good movie. And like the directing, there's not a problem with that. Right. Like the directing was fine. It's just this, you could tell the people writing this, a lot of people fell off the project. Like you could tell there was way too many hands in this from a writing perspective and it just fell apart. Done talking about the flash. So, Brennan, uh, what have you been up to in this last seven days? Um, my weekly recommendation would be they just put Evil Dead Rise on Max. So I rewatched that again. Uh, fantastic. I loved it. <clears throat> there was one issue that, uh, Ian, I was, I was talking with you about it last night when we were playing Call of Duty. Um, oh, yeah. I didn't notice it in the theater, but watching it on my TV at home, the images are all very dark. And I think that's a problem that a lot of uh, studio horror movies have been having lately, where it's not like there's a lack of light, but they're trying to use creative forms of light and therefore they're not properly lighting the image. So there's just so much dark space in Evil Dead Rise, which I, I really just noticed it badly uh, when I rewatched it. But uh, content-wise, I still think it's fantastic. And you told me the lighting was worse than AVPR. I don't remember AVP. That is a big feat, dude. Yeah. I, Nobody I, remembers it because I, you couldn't see it. I didn't, you couldn't see it. They didn't have any lights. And when Ian asked that, I did not say yes. You say did say yes. I think maybe I said sure. He was like 14 beers deep. Look, I saw <laughs> AVP Requiem in theaters. Not trying to flex. I'm just saying even in theaters. Not flex. It's... <laughs> It was impossible to see in theaters. Like it, it's it, like it's what it's known for. Yeah, it's known for. Uh, you guys haven't watched Evil Dead Rise yet, have you? Not yet. Not yet. I will that it's now streaming. Yeah. So I'm surprised it got on streaming that fast. But uh, anyways, today we are here to talk, to talk about a movie that you can see everything. Uh, <laughs> just kind of going back to the lighting. That I was talking about. It was dumb. Full circle. Full circle. Uh, Today, we are talking about The Last Exorcism. And I think it's time to get into a little fear facts. (laughs) With Eli Roth on your side, what could go wrong? The Last Exorcism is a 2010 found footage film directed by Daniel Stan and written by Andrew Gerland, not Garland, oh, I got so <laughs> uh, and Huck Botko, which is uh, a fascinating name. Uh, opening at number two in the United States box office, this $1.6 million budgeted film would go on to make $67.7 million worldwide and receiving fairly positive critical reviews part of its success could be connected could be correlated to its controversial advertising first they would get in hot water in the united kingdom with the united kingdom advertising standards agency um, uh, when they banned a quote offensive poster which was an image of nell contorting backwards under a crucifix the ban because people found it too distressing I just uh secondly uh, their more known use of chat roulette. 
uh, which was which went controversially viral. And Kyle, that's a question I have for you. Uh, did you ever use chat roulette in like the mid two thousands? I know what it is, but I didn't use it. Okay. Um, so I and a few friends actually uh, fell victim to this. Uh, so basically, their viral marketing for chat roulette would be a woman would be uh, seen seductively unbuttoning her top. And then things would turn monstrous. Her eyes would, would roll into the back of her head and she would jump scare you at the camera. And that would be followed with a uh, link to the film's website. Uh, funnily enough, and this is kind of believable, uh, this film is the only horror film written by these two writers. And uh, director Daniel Stamm would go on to make another exorcism film in 2022 called Pray for the Devil. Oh, which I, yeah. Which yeah. I heard was terrible. Um <laughs> Suffering from hypermobility, Ashley Bell did not need any digital effect, as effect assistance with her contortion scenes, making them that much more viscerally terrifying. Yeah, you see that instant split? Come on, man. That, that's fucking impressive. Uh, <laughs> and another fun fact, uh, the Doc Martin shoe scene was added on the fly when they found out the insurance company refused to insure Ashley Bell's exorcism scenes if she was running around barefoot. Huh. Huh. The last exorcism was developed over three years, right before the found footage subgenre would flood the horror market. And it connected with genre fans mainly. But how did it fare with us? Let's find out. That so Doc so Martin odd. thing is interesting because it does feel a little odd because he just brushes it off and he's like, okay, well, let's immediately take those off. Let's take those boots off. I I like it. I, and I think it... Well... well no, 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 no. Go ahead. Finish your thought. I think that it brings a sort of, because obviously this, this woman's father is an alcoholic piece of shit that obviously abuses them. Is he a piece of shit? Yeah. Well, because Caleb Landry Jones' character even says that when he gets drunk, um, he gets rougher. Mm, that's right. That's right. And also there's the whole... Don't leave, uh, don't leave him alone with her after the after the cut. So I I, I think I, I one of the things that I appreciate is how they kind of teeter on the question of is she also being sexually abused by her father? And I think that they kind of handle that interestingly, um, you know, because we get the interview with the guy that she supposedly was impregnated with, and he's like, "Dude, I'm gay." Yeah. So I I think that they but we're get, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're getting, we're putting the horse before the cart or the cart before the horse. Mm -hmm. Whatever they say. Uh let's see. So Ian, you're more familiar with this film. So I'm going to start with Kyle. Kyle, where would you watch it? Would you buy it? Would first thoughts, what do you think? Oh, Kyle's possessed. <laughs> um i watched this on hulu um it's another exorcism movie you know it's another one and uh <laughs> what can i say about this that i can't say about every other exorcism movie uh it's what i added to my collection <laughs> i don't think so i don't think so but that's not a slight against the movie. That's just because I'm not into this genre at all. So 
Um, we'll get into a little bit more on the intricacies of, of, of what I do and don't like about the movie, but I will say that I wouldn't add this to my collection. Um, I do like how, um, it does a little bit of things different than typical exorcism films, specifically with the ending and the twist of the movie. I wish it was kind of, uh, highlighted more throughout the film. That would have been even cooler. Uh, but up until the end, it's pretty, it's pretty run in the mill. A lot of, a lot of exorcism genre tropes down to the guy, the non-believer kind of having a little faith restored to um, the non-believer totally dismissing all red flags of the clearly serious situation because they just don't believe in religion. Uh, just it's very tropey. It's very by the book, in my opinion, up until it's not, which was refreshing. Uh, but I didn't hate the film, and uh, yeah, that's all I gotta say. All right. Ian, same goes for you. So this is my DVD copy with a awesome slip case on it. Um, and it I like think a... that, I think that's the poster that was banned. By the way, this one, yeah, the one with in, her in the UK, her um, going yeah, because it's. This isn't even in the movie. Like yeah, it she, is. It's, yeah. it's, she's like in a room doing <laughs> the, the same thing she was doing in the barn. That's yeah. That's what it's taken from. But yeah. they just yeah. Um, but yeah, I like this movie quite a bit. But polar opposite to Kyle, I like religious horror, and it's probably it's it's up there. It's one of my top five favorite genres in horror for sure. Uh, Exorcist movies, they always get me. I don't care how tropey they are. They're, they're yeah, they're pretty much all the same. But I don't care. I, I enjoy them all the same um bad good mediocre whatever um this one i think is a more entertaining one and i think it has a lot of nice twists to it um i like that it's a um well shot mockumentary uh, i know uh there's quite a bit of found footage exorcist movies and they're all usually about the same this is uh but this this is a good one. This is a good one. I watched it first with um my buddy when we were um scrolling through Amazon Prime or Netflix or something, and uh, we usually pick the worst poster, and we watch that movie. And that's how we watch things like The Void, things like um. You think the poster for The Void is bad? No, not necessarily bad, but just movies that we wouldn't watch, movies okay. that we think are kind of more B-rated, like Velocipasture. She like that. I'm glad that that carried on through through different generations because that's literally what me and my friends used to do at Blockbuster was shop yeah. around for the dumbest looking VHS card and be like. That's what we're watching tonight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Things like the last shift, like that. That poster is not a great poster, and I would usually it looks super generic and B rated. But when you watch it, you're like, oh, I was pleasantly, pleasantly surprised, and not mm. expecting this whatsoever. Same goes with this movie. I um, I thought it was gonna be super generic, turned out to be pretty, pretty good, and those are my thoughts. Uh, I already own it. I would buy it again. There you go. I'm hoping to be converted after this episode, if you know what I'm saying. Amen. Yeah. Hey, How's the religion thing? <laughs> you gonna get it? <laughs> so this was my first time watching it. I, if I had the disc next, next to me, I, I've had this 
maybe 10 years. Never once watched it. Uh, it was still shrink-wrapped. Uh, got it from FYE. Uh, shout mm. out to FYE. Bless up. I, uh, I just Jesus. went into one of those yesterday. How's the movie section in there? Is it still? Mm. It's all right. It's like a it's, cart it's in the middle just, of the Yeah, I was going to say, it's mostly just spread out to bins now. Mm-hmm. It's not like shelves or anything. So you kind of just got to dig. When I worked at FYE in high school, that horror section was on lock. We had two whole aisles of horror films, and I knew every single disc that was there. Oh, Shout out to the older people, too. That's how it used to be at Suncoast, man. Suncoast had, mm-hmm. like, a If you know Suncoast, you know Suncoast. It's like it was the FYE before FYE. Okay. And, uh, yeah, dude, their horror section was fucking on point, dude. Like, you would find – that was back – Sorry, I don't mean to derail us, but no, that was back before everything was super accessible. So, like, you would find the deep cuts there that you wouldn't find at like a blockbuster or mm-hmm. Hollywood video. So, hell yeah. Uh, yeah. So I finally watched it. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this one. It, I, Ian, I told you this is definitely going into my October rotation. Uh, yeah. it feels like. And Kyle, I'm curious as to your thought on this. It feels like a an early Ben Wheatley movie. It's Kill List, right? Uh, Kill List, yeah. Mm. Because and all all of his films have like I, I don't want to say a twist ending, but there's always like this big stinger at the end that you might not have seen coming. Mm. And I appreciate how a mid. Well, I mean, this was written in 2007 so i mean at the time this was before the huge influx of found footage films so it's impressive to see in a subgenre this early of found footage to have people take a direction like this for a studio budget film or i not not it's a studio film um and take it in such a weird direction. I really appreciated the direction and all of the uh, twists and turns that they kind of throw at you um, throughout the thing. So, Kyle, you you brought up. Uh, I think well, you were just to comment on what you were talking oh, about really quick. Oh, sorry, I just didn't want to interrupt you. No, you're um, I, I mean, 2010s was pretty big for mockumentaries, right? The Office was huge. Parks and Recreation was huge at this time. It, it was almost like peak those two shows. I don't know if this really counts as like a found. Fi- I, I, like I wouldn't say this is a found footage as much as I would say it's like a mockumentary. Personally, I always just kind of put mockumentary as part of the found footage subgenre. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Fair. Um, I do like how they sprinkle in. So to your point with like the Ben Wheatley films, I've only seen Kill It, so I can't really comment too much on it. Oh. But. Um, they do sprinkle in a little bit of breadcrumbs throughout the beginning of this film. Like when uh, he's talking to the, you know, the population of the town and they're talking about how the gates of hell are over in that direction. It's the same like area as the church, which then later you find out that the head of the church is like the leader Mm -hmm. of the cult. And then you got the, you know, the woman talking about the cult around the town and you're just like, Oh, she's just a crazy woman. Uh, They're just showing how different people are superstitious depending on which religion they're into, blah, blah, blah. I like that. Like, I like how those two specific interactions actually tied into the twist of the film and uh i wasn't expecting that to happen this movie did surprise me though at the end with the like the twist and i i i appreciate the subtle hints to the build-up for sure similar to 
kill list, which mm. they they also kind of they're very light on the breadcrumbs, but if you go back and watch it, you can see more clearly. Yeah. yeah. I honestly up until this moment completely forgot about the interviews at the beginning where where they're like oh yeah there's some shady shit going on if you want to find it go to this exact location (laughs) Uh, i like i like when he was like and where did the ufo land she's like the ufo landed over there (laughs) i just like how like uh i liked the main characters um almost like his portrayal of self-awareness where like he likes to play into people's mm-hmm. um what they believe in and they're like I, I, I don't know i i dug the main character yeah no i really like the main character shout out to my boy from uh, uh we probably know him from uh the better call saw or even more from twitches from twitches one and two baby uh patrick fabian yeah. I, I really like his acting as well. He he pulls off uh child televangelist very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh so that's that's the first thing that I, I kind of wanted to get into. I want to talk about so when what makes a found footage movie good or a mockumentary? I feel like now I I get what you're saying what you were saying earlier about how are they the same thing uh because in a found footage movie there has to be a reason for the cameras to keep rolling and it being a documentary uh makes it an an exact reason for the cameras to be there we only see that they have one cameraman and there are some scenes where there are multiple different angles in quick succession Mm. Um that Reminds I just want to see of, uh, I just want to see VHS if viral. Oh, don't bring that up. It's <laughs> awful. Get me rattled. I'm three <laughs> copies deep, dude. <laughs> three, copies deep. <laughs> three copies deep right now. Uh, yeah, so that was one of the lead-up questions I had. If you guys noticed the multiple cuts simultaneously when they have one camera. Uh it's gotten to a point where I don't really care anymore. If there's a camera and it's in the fucking movie, and it looks like it's found footage, that's a found footage to me. I don't really I was, care. But yeah, I was kind of with Ian on this one. Uh, I noticed it, but it didn't... It wasn't a distraction. It wasn't okay. a distraction. No, that, yeah. that's fair. Yeah. Um, I think the, the character of... Uh, what's his name? Patrick Cotton? John Cotton? Cotton Marcus? Father, Car- Fa- Father Cotton. We'll yes. call him that. Pastor. Uh, I think that the main character is... Uh, a really interesting one. It's a man who's disillusioned with his faith. Um, he's faking exorcisms for money. He doesn't necessarily feel bad about it, but he doesn't feel good about it. Uh, we see when he gets to the to this family's house uh, exactly how he goes about faking the signs of the exorcisms. Uh, he gets called out by the son of the family. He's a very flawed character that deep down does have a good heart, but I think that he's just completely missing the mark. So just want to, Ian, you kind of went into him already, so I'll throw it to you first. But talk to me about his character and how how you feel his character works in this type of story. 
I really like how he explained it in the beginning of the film where he's doing a service to people and the only way they think mentally that they can heal themselves is through an exorcism. So in that sense, it makes total sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, I really like his, his mindset in that. Um, cause some, some things are just a placebo effect, you know, you just, only you can cure yourself. And if that, if that makes sense. Um, but I like his character. I like the, um, beginning where he's going through the whole, is God even real? You know, I, I questioned my child being born. I immediately went to the doctor instead of looking toward, uh, I thanked the doctor instead mm-hmm. of thanking Jesus. Yeah. Um, He's he's a very relatable character overall. And um, I think you need that for for this type of film. I don't think he's a flawed character at all, actually. And I think he's actually a really intelligent main character. And I think that he doesn't have a bad bone in his body to a certain extent. Because I feel like that everything he does is driven behind like a a good motivation like he's like i don't think he's there to deceive people he's there to help like he's genuinely there to help them mm-hmm. in any way that like he said uh, like i'm there to help them in the way that they need to be helped and i think you could look at it like he's lying to these people he's deceiving them he is trying to make a living which i mean i guess you could take that as the negative motivation but he First and foremost, I mean, the only reason why he's there is on a crusade to call out people that are like that, you know, to to stop harmful things happening to people because like the kid gets the whole mm-hmm. and, or the kid gets killed by, you know, being suffocated and stuff. So mm-hmm. his his motivations are good. Um, and I just think that his personal like I relate to him in a lot of ways because I'm a very much like you believe whatever you want to believe and you make or like you do whatever makes you happy. And I feel like that's kind of what drives a lot of the decisions he makes in the film. And uh, yeah, no, I, I didn't think he was flawed per se. Like, why do you find him flawed? Pardon? Well, I, I don't mean flawed in the usual sense. He's, he's questioning his faith. I, I think you can make an argument that what he's doing is for the greater good but also he is still deceiving people. He might not believe in God anymore, but he's, uh, these people that do believe in God, he's giving, and again, I, I, I'm almost on your side by saying what he's doing <clears throat> is good, but he's promoting a lie to these people. Uh, he's promoting a lie to, to everyone. So, mm-hmm. and, and he realizes that. In, and, in the name of mental health, though. Like he is curing these people. Is but also, what's going to happen in a year after after he yeah. he's done being a pastor? Well, he's dead now. Um, <laughs> uh, what's going to happen in a year when this person has a, a trigger? I mean, we get the last exorcism too. Uh, yeah, we but, find out. <laughs> but like you know, a, a trigger happens, and then that person is thrown right back into that that state. And so they call another pastor to come over, maybe a pastor that doesn't care as much as as Patrick Fabian. It, like these people just need mental help, mental health assistance. Yeah. And that's I what get he's that. 
that that's what he's trying to give though right like he's trying to give the peace of mind by helping them the only way that they think they can be helped but i get what you're saying i get what you're saying because it is personal motivation at the end of the day Mm -hmm. but he's doing it in a way that's that suits everybody it's like trying to be that and also he charges a lot of money for him i mean therapists are pretty did you see he uh the father dropped a fat stack on that. Yeah. He's like, I'm not even gonna count it. Just just give me a hug. Crazy's he's going I like how he said it. I'm not even gonna count it after <laughs> counting it. <laughs> he's like, you know what? Very good. Like it's those little like interactions where you do see like his sneaky side or like his mm-hmm. his his yeah. greediness a little bit, yeah. But to I'm, go into another point, like these people are very stubborn and the only uh, they've gone to a decision where they will only take advice from a priest or from a father. Like he's helping them. I I guess in this instance, like our main character, uh, what's his name? Cotton. He's actually kind of leering them and kind of opening their hearts to another, um, more options, I guess, mm-hmm. because he does try to convince the the father to, get her actual doctor help and like he's not a total shitbag he's i think he's doing great service yeah i I think it's great i love (laughs) so there's uh, a couple theories that that i had found when uh researching for the fear facts and i'm curious as as to your guys thoughts on it this is a very last minute question so it's not very thought out so i apologize uh, a couple theories that I saw uh, were that she never was possessed. And I personally choose to believe that since she has this demon baby inside of her, there is a level of possession going on. Uh, how do you guys feel about the theory that she might not have been possessed whatsoever? That's the age-old question, right? Is religion real? Was she really possessed? I mean, that's that's the trope, though. That all I mean, like in this into. world where, because we see Ab- Ab- Absalom, whatever the the, yeah. the demon's name is, we see the demon at the end. So in this world where demons actually do truly exist, that that's the scope I'm looking at. So I guess possession is really a state of like a mental state. Like she might have not been possessed by the demon like the movie portrays, but she could have been possessed by other mental illnesses or uh, mental motives. Like, um, I mean, obviously she was raped, um, but we don't find out who, and I don't think it was her father. I think it was, it was people in the cult. I think it might've um, been the brother. Might've been the brother. Wait a minute. It could have been. Cause guys, you, you saw the demon baby, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't think it was a demon baby. Okay. So that was my next question is if it was a demon baby, if it was a demon baby, then all, it wouldn't have been a human that raped her, right? Yeah. She would have had to have been possessed. So those theories would be null and void at that point. So, uh, I don't know. Like it didn't really get, you didn't really get a good shot, but it did kind of look disfigured. You know what I mean? Also, could it, it did turn out to be young. like a fiery demon coming out of that <laughs> that bonfire? Like, <laughs> she was raped by a by a demon. That is true. So she was possessed at the end of the day. Okay, she was. that that's where we landed on it. Um, so there are a lot of moments in this film that when 
I watched it at like midnight in the dark. Uh, really, really freaked me out. I don't know if you guys do. You guys have a a favorite? Uh, maybe jump scare. There's not that many jump scares, but there's there's a there's quite a few uh terrifying moments. I think. Did you guys have a scariest moment in this film? I like pretty tense, nonchalant kind of throwaway moments, like when she when they got her. Um, they came back to the house. They took uh, the dad took the brother. Um, and she started like, um, sleepwalking and she was just standing in the hallway with all the lights off and you kind of just saw her silhouette. You couldn't really tell if her, her eyes were open or not. Um, and that was kind of like our first indication of, okay, so she might either be sleepwalking or she's possessed by a demon. Um, and that was, I think that was, um, the scariest moment that got me, I guess. Kyle? Um, not really. <laughs> I don't really have a moment. I will say, though, I did not like the cat killing scene. Was not a fan of that. And that that yeah. did disturb me just because I'm a huge animal lover. So seeing that, I was very like, uh, why? No one even mentioned it. They find, they, their, they, they find their camera bloodied with a cracked lens and all they do is take the lens off and put a new one on yeah there's a lot of stuff like that in this film i could rattle off some examples if you want but i love the uh when they find the cat picture and it's all bloodied and the reaction that they get or that like the emotion that they give is is not it doesn't match the situation like they find the picture and she's like oh did you draw this it was like like a (laughs) uplifting heartwarming kind of thing it's like that's not right but okay uh for me i don't know if any of you guys noticed this it was a really subtle moment where after they lock her in the room but they hear two voices so they go to check it out Mm -hmm. and the camera is behind uh cotton and he just looks in and he's basically like are you okay she's sitting on the bed in the dark like completely blank face and as as cotton walks out and he closes the door the camera just gets like her lips just curl up into like this evil smirk (laughs) 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 that's a a scary movie right there um fuck me fuck me uh Gun's like, whoa, bro. Oh my god. Um, so there was also another standout scene for me. Curious as to your guys' thoughts, uh, where the demon says to Patrick when they're in the barn, I keep calling him Patrick Cotton, uh, if you can be quiet for 10 seconds, I'll leave her body. And then she starts to snap her fucking fingers. Uh, thoughts on that scene? Yeah, what do you do? <laughs> do you stay quiet and let her break all of her fingers? I think he did. I think he did the right thing. Um, he was. I mean, his his main goal was to try to help this girl. And by her, in his mind, at this moment, she is possessing herself. So he's not going to let her do more self harm to herself just like she was doing so he sat there and that's the trick right because the demons know that like just being human we're we're, like we wouldn't be allowed to do that like the demon knew speak for yourself the demon (laughs) (laughs) actually sounded like you did it okay um like the demon knew that it 
they wouldn't be able to stay quiet. So I don't know. But yeah, it was it was a pretty cool scene. I like a little demon trickery. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. It was a little, it's a little he, you know. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I do an easy task. It's a lesson. That you're gonna trick me. Trick you. I don't know how you guys feel about contortionism, but it's always freaked me out. Uh, how do you how do you feel that? Or do you think that uh, Nell being able naturally to contort her body so that they don't have to do any you know shitty practical or digital cover-ups uh, how do you feel do you feel like that um, added to the performance of it i mean i went uh i did three years of gymnastics so seeing this in person uh and then in movie forum didn't phase me whatsoever mm-hmm. i've seen girls do more things with their bodies than <laughs> this movie could ever do uh, um <laughs> Ugh. that's about all i will say with that kyle what did you think i don't know i'm kind of hard right now but, um, <laughs> yeah no i i've seen other exorcism films that do it that do crazier shit than this this was pretty tame um there was really only like one or two scenes where she did the whole contortion thing um it was kind of weak in my opinion brendan it looked like it hit you with the hardest though yeah talk to us about it yeah no I, it's, just, it's just something that i I can't bear to watch. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the show Channel Zero. Uh, one of the seasons has a villain named Pretzel Jack. And that's what he is. He's a fucking pretzel. Like, <laughs> that stuff. It, I don't know what it is. Like, seeing someone, like, twist their body and, like, go through, like, one of those tennis rackets without the net in it. Like, it just, it makes me so viscerally uncomfortable. Uh so I think that's probably why it worked better for me, just because I don't like seeing it. When you said he's a pretzel, I cannot think of someone contorting their body to a pretzel. I just thought of a pretzel man. That's <laughs> that's really all I can think of. <laughs> I thought of the uh, like the pretzel guy in the beginning of the Aqua Teen Hunger Force movie, yeah. playing like the metal song, yeah. and he has like his, his little eyes at the top of the pretzel. And he's like, <laughs> I love that guy. I love Aqua Teen Hunger Force great show good i just started watching show. it a couple weeks ago great nice. show i nice. do a pretty good meat wad impression do it yeah i could already hear it <laughs> uh, yeah no i already know it that's actually yeah actually fun. that's really good thank you uh so you have to talk like that for the rest of the episode um okay brandon <laughs> uh got a little southern twang on that last one um, I feel like we've pretty much covered everything that we need to cover for this film. Uh, although I did uh, real quick want to talk about the shoe, the shoe exchange. I thought that was really sweet. I really liked that moment because obviously this 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 young girl is so troubled, and there's a lot of shit going on her in her life that she can't wrap her head around. And then this other woman that she meets, uh, and this is probably the first time they've had human interaction because. She's homeschooled now. They left the church. For... I mean, she's she's interacted with humans in her life. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, for like the past two and a what half years. Sure, sure. Um, so I, I, I like. I think that moment is so sweet, and it's a nice bit of humanity that that this young girl so desperately needs. I mean, yeah, without without the context of like the behind the scenes thing that you reference. Um, oh, the insurance. Yeah. Uh, it it just seemed like a sweet moment where a little girl. Just fighting for her life, 
gets a nice pair of she doesn't even know it's it, it's a pair of Dawkins or what what are they called? Dawkins Dawkins <laughs> <laughs> uh Doc Martins that's what they're called not not the rock band um she doesn't even know she just calls them boots and I looked at them I was like those are pretty expensive boots actually even back then they were like a hundred bucks dude that shot though of him walking with the cross at the end towards the fire nothing that's yeah. metal you guys don't get nothing you guys Dawkins. think he was like do you guys think he was a believer at that point oh, or do you think he was just percent. uh playing yeah, the part he, still he switched into father cotton pretty quick when he was like bowing down getting his cross ready dude i got shivers at that part like straight up <laughs> like i'm not even joking like when something so crazy happened he's like dude this is like i gotta step up this is it like i gotta like i gotta be the real deal at this point like i think that was a moment for him and i thought it was really cool it was a, it was a really redemptive moment too yeah because he's cool. gone from faking this for the past how long to literally fighting a, a fire how do you fight a fire demon how being do you got being one of god's warriors at the end dude, just going in <laughs> with the side of jesus that's that's how you fight him um i'm gonna say right now uh officially that i think he is my favorite protagonist of the year 2020 well, i thought you were gonna say in a film <laughs> <laughs> in 2023 he is my favorite protagonist from what we've covered so far. holy okay. shit okay well, yeah we're gonna have to do a like a mid-year recap here pretty soon because it's june so mm -hmm. i think we might have to do that soon and go through that's a good idea on a next episode maybe next episode um but before we get into our final thoughts and ratings we are going to take a ruminations radio network uh union mandated thick piss break please enjoy an ad from the other shows you've seen twin peaks all the way through but all you have are spoiler free discussions at Blue Rose Task Force Podcast, no information is classified and nothing beats the listening sensation when production history collides with deep theory. Put the coffee on. And we're back. I hope you had a nice thick piss along with us. We listened to some docking, we had some laughs, we cried, and now we're back. Uh, let's see, uh, Kyle, uh, or no, Ian, I'm going to start with you. Ian, give me your uh, final thoughts and uh, rating. I love found footage. I love mockumentaries. I love exorcist movies, religious, horror, and this is right up my alley. Dawkins. Um, <laughs> I love this movie. Uh, and I love Jesus. And uh, I, I don't I can't really say much more than that. I feel like that goes to show like how much I really like this movie. Um Three and a half heart. Three point five and a heart. Kyle. It's a mid-ass exorcism movie like everything else. The exorcism movies do all the same shit. But this movie has a really cool twist, cool ending. I just wish it was delivered a little sooner. And the main protagonist is dope as hell. Uh, I'm going to give this movie a three stars, and because of the twist and the protagonist, it's going to get a heart as well. So three stars and a heart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to join Ian's camp, uh, give it a 3.5 and a heart. It, very, very enjoyable. I think it has a lot of rewatch ability. Uh, I can't wait to rewatch it. Like I said, it's, it's going to be in my October lineup. So that being said, that gives us a... 3.3 repeating, which we're going to bump up to a 3.5 and a heart. 
I think that's fair. Hell yeah. I think that's fair. But now, now, oh, now, you are not prepared. It is now time for the world's greatest podcast game. What's in the box? Uh, it, is, it is a game where uh, my co-hosts will have to guess the star rating of a movie that I choose on Letterboxd, which is between a zero and a five. And from there, they will have to guess the decade. If they get the decade right, they will go on for another point to guess the year. Year to date is Kyle 7, Brendan 7, Ian 6. Let's see if we can get, uh, oh, what if we got to the, the holy number on this episode, 777? Seven, seven, seven. Damn. That'd be number of the Lord. Here, yeah. All right, call that. gentlemen. Are we ready for number one? Hold on, hold on, hold on. C E. No. C E. One more time. C. Whatever. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> okay. Tagline: You won't be coming home. Slightly disturbed and painfully shy, Angela is sent away to summer camp with her cousin. Not long after Angela's arrival, things start to go horribly wrong for anyone with horribly wrong for anyone with sinister or less than honorable intentions. That was a weird sentence. That's it. Yeah. Um, Did you need more? Man, good ass movie. And people on Letterbox, it's okay. They they like movies, and they like having fun during movies. They're real fans. If you're not on Letterbox, you're not a real fan uh, of movies. Um, they like having so much fun. They give a Flash a better score than Shazam too. Okay, we're done talking about the Flash. Okay, Ian, stop bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is two point. Nine. 2.9. You know what? 3.2. There you go. Relax there with the two points. You know? 3.1. I'm going 3.1 official. How do you not know what this movie is? No. Um, I'm going to go... I know what it is. I just don't know oh, the okay. rating. I'm going to go 3.4. 3.4? Yeah. You guys are both correct. And Ian, you dumbass. You should have kept your oh. second answer of 3.2 because... It is a 3.2. You're lucky, man. You were so close. That a little nicer, but... <laughs> you were so close. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was rude. I apologize. Uh, name, guess. Name calling was a little... Uh, I'm uh, sorry. I'm going to go 80s. 80s. You're going 80s. Ones. Yeah. <laughs> Sucker. It's clearly a 90s. 80s for my 80s. answer as well. <laughs> you are both correct. Guess the year. So Kyle's more familiar with the ages of the sequels. Correct, yeah. The first I one is my least favorite, honestly. Don't know. I'm going to go 86. That feels right to me. That does feel right. It does feel right. Is it past mid-80s? I don't think it's an early. Like, it, it doesn't feel it cusp looks early. 70s. It doesn't feel cusp of 70s to me, though. Yeah. It, the film looks early, but, like, the styles... Like the camp counselor with the super short shorts where you can almost see his dick. That's and 70s. That's very like 70s. Super yeah. tight shirt. Well, to put it in the context, the third one is 1990. 
So, no. do you think they made three in four years? Sounds sounds probable. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely sounds probable. I'm gonna go eighty-five. Ian, are you sticking with eighty-six? I am. You are both incorrect. It is nineteen eighty-three. Oh, oh, it's that early. Okay, it's that early. Yeah. Number two. Are you ready? Yes. See. Okay. When you go camping, just take the essentials. Angela escapes from a mental hospital and resurfaces at a summer camp as a counselor who lectures her teenage charges on proper moral behavior. Those teens who break her strict rules from the camp chatterbox or a sex-obsessed girl to the boys who are peeping toms, this is so terribly written, are murdered by the imposter in various gruesome ways. As more campers go missing, intrepid counselor Molly begins to piece together the truth. All right. Um, let's think here. So 3.1 is the highest the series is going to get mm. for sure. It's just downhill from there. See, the sequel, I'm thinking 2.6. I'm going to lock in that answer. 2.6 is great. Two is better than one, in my opinion. I know that's crazy, but two is a better movie than one. It's a better slasher for sure. Um, but people don't like it as much. I'm going to go 2.6. 2.6 is a great answer. I think it's a little too low, though. I'm going to go 2.8. Kyle getting the two points. <sighs> it is 2.8. I know my sleep can Oh, okay. So I get one point at least. Yeah. yeah. Guess the decade. 80. Uh, 80s. <laughs> you are both correct. <laughs> Guess the year. Here we go. 85. Here's here's my here's my thinking process behind this, okay? It's the same actress in Sleepaway Camp 2 and 3. And she doesn't look like she's aged that much between 2 and 3. So 5 years is a pretty big gap. I don't feel like she aged 5 years. I think so. I'm going to go you said 85? I said 85. I'm going to go 87. Sticking with it? Yeah. You are both incorrect. It is 1988. Oh, damn. You're born. 1988. Oh, yeah, you should have known that. I should have known that. Freaking idiots. So dumb all the time. (laughs) Number three. (laughs) She's back to slash last year's record. Psychotic Angela is itching to do what she does best, slaughter dozens of teenage campers. As luck would have it, the previous site of her murders has been renamed and converted into an experimental summer camp meant to bring together privileged and lower-class teens. On the day the youths are boarding the buses to camp, Angela runs over a potential camper with a garbage truck and assumes her identity. Oh my god, once she has infiltrated the camp, the real terror begins. 2.4. Yeah, people don't like this one. It's got an awesome scream factory. That's really hard to find now, though. Um, that's a, that's honestly the best guess you can give. Two point four. I'll go two point five. Just to be Ian, different. two point four. Kyle, two point five. Yeah, but two point four is like probably the perfect answer for this one. Well, you guys both do get one point, and someone gets a second point. It's Kyle. It's Kyle. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. 
I would have gave it to 2.4, man. That seems like the perfect number for that. But I am uh, a Sleepaway Camp fan here. So, you know. Guess the decade. 90s. <laughs> I already gave it away. Yeah, I was going to say, I already gave it away. It's 90s. You are actually both incorrect. Well, it's not true. It's not it true. is 1989. Is That's it? That's what I get from yeah. Kyle. Oh. It is 1989. Uh, the final one. Uh, okay. so it's uh, Ian 5, Kyle 7. You're down by 2. You can still win it. Kids can be so mean. It's summer camp as usual at Camp Manaby, where the kids torment each other for fun while the unpaid camp staff provides as little supervision as possible. Greedy camp owner Frank and junior partner Ronnie do their best to keep everyone in line, but something sinister is about to slash in the roster interesting when campers and staff mysteriously begin disappearing and turning into gruesome corpses paranoid ronnie can't shake the memory of a series of grisly murders that took place at camp arawak as the paranoia worsens ronnie's list of possible killers starts growing just like the body count one thing is for certain something is carving a bloody new trail at oh it says at sleepaway camp where kids can be so mean and surviving the summer is going to be a real killer. So I think this is like the reboot or the one that came out like super later. Ronnie is such a 90s name, by the way. Yeah. I knew a bunch of Ronnies. They're all dead now. I don't know. A they single Ronnie. 100%. Yeah, dude, it was a quick came and gone. name in the early 90s. Yeah. Um, 2.3. 2.1. Yeah, I was going to go 2.1, but... You guys both get a point. It is 2.0. Yeah. Guess the decade. Fuck. I know this one came out, like, a lot later. I'm going to go 2000s. I'm going to go with 2004. You're that sure yourself? Yes. Well, you guys are both right. It is a 2000s film. Damn, I was wrong. But guess the year. I already guessed 2004, so I'll take my L. But Oh, right. You did. Sorry. Yeah. I forgot that. So that's wrong. Confirmed. It's got to be. Well, I can't get I can't get an extra point anyways. Or I can't like. You said, you said 2000s. Yeah. But still. Just if you guess. get it, you win. <laughs> oh, shit. Because you're that close. You know, you're that 2000... close. 2000. And you're you guess four? That's a good guess. That's probably what I would have guessed. I get. Hold on, my second guess. I'm just helping you at this point. My, my, my second guess is 2007. Seven. Seven. Yeah. Which is the same year that this movie came out. That would be my second guess. Is 2007. If I had a second guess. But I want to go 2006. Even odd. Even odd. Even two thousand six. It was an even number, but it's two thousand and eight. It is returned to sleepaway camp. Damn, damn. Good job, guys. You did it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Kyle takes the point, which puts him in the lead. Who would have thought that? The person who cares about winning the least. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But. Here I am, you know, on the first pl- uh, first place podium, just shadowing 
every just casting a shadow down, you know, on everybody else. Uh, well, that being said, this has been another episode of Ruminations of Red Rum. The demon baby, the demon fetus baby of the Ruminations Radio Network. Uh, if you like what we're doing here, please uh, give us a rating. That'd be cool on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, wherever you listen to it. We're literally everywhere. Uh, give us a follow on Twitter. That's of Red Rum, O-F Red Rum. And you know what that O-F does not stand for? Mm. Only fans. So you won't see our buttholes. But you can also... Unless you ask. <laughs> unless you ask nicely. Uh, you can also uh, get the link to join our Discord in our Twitter bio. Come join us over there. Shout out to um, the new person that joined the other day. What's his name? Undead. Un- Is it... His name's Untote. Oh, does that mean undead? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Well, welcome. Uh, that being said, I've been your host, Brendan, Mr. Fantastic. And with us, as always, is the spooky boy, the ghost, the demon fetus. It, <laughs> it, <laughs> it's Ian. I already know the answer to this, but I want to hear... You guys say it out loud. What character do you think Michael would be in this movie? Fire Demon. Oh. Okay. I was going to say the horse baby. <laughs> oh. I was expecting the dad, but uh, okay. I'm glad I asked then. I don't think Michael beats his children. You don't think so? No. Uh. No, he, he does live he may in be an all, He may like Grandpa's old cough medicine a little too much, right? He may like the booze, but I don't yeah. see him as being an abuser. No. Gotcha. Anyways, and also unless it's his us. wife, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and also with us, the slick black Cadillac, the man he's wearing a snapback. He writes with the number two pencil, but he's number one in all of our hearts. It's Kyle with a K. I just want to give a shout out to my very very cute dog Humphrey. Hail Rapper.